This hour is brought to you by Shaw's. Shaw's, the official supermarket of the Red Sox Network. I know you're a huge Green Day fan. I love Green Day. Good concert last year, right? Great concert last year. I mean, we did the broad. We were doing the broadcast at Fenway Park. By the way, this is the Bradford Show. I'm Rob Bradford with Brian Barrett, Ken Laird, Coop. And I was doing the. We were obviously doing the broadcast, and then that day, I think it was a day game. We walk out, and there's Green Day, and they were asking everyone to jump up and down at the same time, and it, the whole place was shaking. And then I found out later that people outside the park could feel it shake it was awesome awesome can we do that now can everyone every everyone here it's all cardinals fans according to barrett today oh really yeah, there's a ton of car yeah there's a ton of cardinals fans just saw a david wow. freeze jersey a goldsmith jersey hey rob at that concert were you the guy that was screaming mosh pit <laughs> I was. that was you i was but uh, no, but there really are a ton of cardinals fans man they some of those like are you okay jerseys, you feel threatened you feel no, it's just like protect the home turf. Come on, let's go. Fenway I was, I was, I was going to ask everyone here in the uh, in the country club media media tent to jump up and down, but they were all like, look at me sideways, like they all already are. Uh, I am at the U.S. Open, uh, the country club. Brian Barrett's at Fenway Park. Hoops Where, by the way, the world number one taking a rise up the leaderboard, Rob. Uh, yes, of course. Well, you want you want an update? Give me a quick up. Yeah. Oh man, hold on. A second. I know it's the Bradford show, but. I know, no, but hold on. You got to give me some warning here because you know it's this. You know the the setup they have here in terms of the big scoreboard. I can't figure out, so I'm, I'm default to <laughs> I default. The minus sign means under par. The plus means <laughs> over par. You might not have been the best choice for golf reporter. <laughs> e means even. I got to say though, the snacks are outstanding. <laughs> I think metric, right. metric man should have been at, uh, in Brooklyn. Metric man should have absolutely been here. Scotty Scheffler is is six under. Whoa. Patrick Rogers, and he's all alone atop the leaderboard. Patrick Rogers four Ooh. under. Colin Morikawa is four under. Those two guys in second. Colin Ma- Colin Morikawa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, man, I bought these knickers and everything. I mean, what what am I doing? So anyway, so we are here at the U.S. Open Championship, and and you had mentioned the Cardinals fans. The thing about I don't know, Ken, if you've been out to St. Louis to watch. Have you been out to St. Louis to watch a game? I have not. No. So I, you know, I don't feel like Pittsburgh. You're from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and sort of, I guess I would lump that in with Midwest, sort of. Yeah, they were the Paris of the Appalachians. <laughs> yes, much we're like the best Spring- of both worlds. Springfield College <laughs> is the Harvard of Alden Street. Um, I would, I would say this: well, St. Louis. I've never seen fans who are friendlier. Like so, they they if something happens, you're like, oh, nice try. Good effort, nice try. That's that's super. Like Tatum, like Jason Tatum. He kind of there. We're, we're getting from to St. Louis. Heart, we're getting to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Although that's like, like Nelly. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, but I, I went to an All Star game when it actually meant something there, and it came down to the end. I mean, we're talking about home field advantage. I think the Cardinals were right in the mix. It might have been that year that they played the Red Sox, 2013. And you know it was right down the stretch, and 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 something happened. Oh, the, the great game of baseball is a real winner. Uh, I've never seen fans like that. It's crazy. It's so different. So you than took Boston. a video of yourself. 
Uh, yes, yes. Well, I, they when were I saying s- the great game of baseball. Y- yeah. Well, when I when I say it, it's just to deflect from the agony of others. When they say it, they're just happy to be there. So there's a big, big difference, Brian. Come on, I feel dude. you, kid. All right, all right. Let's go to the phone lines. Wally and Fall River. Hey, Wally, how are you today? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I hope Brad Fall knows that Roman Reigns retained his title. He's still the head of the table. But as far as Bogey and Devers, I'll put ten dollars in Nambo right now. And mail it to High and Bloom towards their contract. You got to keep these guys. I mean, you you'll be a fool not to. I mean, Rafi's only twenty five years old. He'll probably want a contract like Judge, who if he hits sixty home runs, probably want four hundred million. But uh, with Rafi, you know, with Rafi and Bogey, you know what you get. They show up every day, especially Bogey. He don't. He's not a ruptured duck. He's not going to be out if he's got a, a sniffles or a pimple on his back. You can depend on Bogey, and uh, he's just a great teammate. But as far as relievers, we know where the problem lies originally. Hein Bloom didn't, didn't do his job this winter. We could have had Kenley Jansen and Glacius brought McHugh back. But uh, that's the cheapest thing to get, guys, at the deadline, a reliever. You get a lot oh, of teams that think. Not, uh, not really. Not really. No? Not, I mean, it depends on what reliever. If you're talking about Hansel Robles and Austin Davis, Sure, it's not going to cost you a ton, but still, you get Austin Davis for one of your uh, a guy who had a first round draft pick. You can think what you want about Michael Chavis, but still, I mean that's that's capital right there. So anyway, go ahead, continue, Wally. Bradford, do you remember when we go about Mark Melanson? I think we got him during the season. Him and Eric Gagne. Mark, Belanger. I don't think we gave up that much. Both them guys came here and they got hammered. So I I really now don't think. I mean, you got teams like Miami, Cincinnati. I really don't think you're going to have to give up that much. But uh, like I said, you need a safety net. The eighth and ninth innings on a purchase situation, it's going to be cool hand Luke. You know, you, you just can't say, well, we'll throw Huey, Dewey, and Louie in that spot. It's not that easy, Brad. Okay, thanks for the call, Wally. You lost me at Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and, and you definitely lost me at Mark Belanger. Holy mackerel. I mean, that's going back. No, he said what, Mark what? Melanson. Did he say Belanger or Melanson? Melanson. Melanson. Oh. I was like, Mark Belanger? Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, uh, Melanson, you gave up. Um, well, listen, I mean, for Gagne, that wasn't cheap. Melanson's going to go at the deadline. Yeah, well. Yeah, okay. he's in Arizona. All right, so mm-hmm. this, this sets up perfect for the question that I was asking you guys. I wanted everyone to come prepared. This was homework. You had about a half hour to work on this. Now that we know the Red Sox are firmly entrenched in the playoff hunt, you are they enter today a half game back of the Rays, which, oh, my goodness, how did that happen? And a half game back of the Guardians uh, in the wild, for the wild, last wild card spot. You know that they have to go out and get somebody. All right? It's not as easy. You have Brian Bayo coming up. You have Franchi Cordero at first base. You have Jaron Duran. You have potential guys there. But I want you to think creatively. I want you to think outside the box to put them over the top. When we look at the 2022 world champion Boston Red Sox, they made this move, and it worked. What is this move? Okay, you want me to start? I want the metric man to start. Okay, so I gave you earlier David Bednar which that would cost you a lot. So let's say that doesn't happen. The two other guys that I would point to are, and Lou pointed this out on Twitter, David Robertson's having a good year. And the other guy, Rob, I may upset you because this may be your guy, Daniel Bard, having a really good year. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Ken. It's fine. I've got an alternate. Oh, you do have an alternate. But that is so obvious it makes so much sense. I mean, isn't that the prop? you got it right the wrong. 
Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and for people who are, are not – and some people, oh, you can't pitch in – listen, Daniel Bart has figured it out, and he may have been become the first player, first athlete to actually overcome the yips, and, and that's not hyperbole. If you can name another one, go ahead. I mean, this this is an amazing, amazing story because not only is he back pitching the major leagues after retiring because he had the yips, but go look at his numbers. I mean, his numbers are crazy. He's, he's a legit closer. His his fast was it? You you love this. This scratches where you itch, Brian. His fastball spin rate is like ninety eighth percentile, right? Something like that. Yeah, I believe so. Don't I'll double pretend check, like though. you don't know. Okay, come on. No, I'll double check. I just anyway, want to be accurate. So I don't want to make, say ninety eight. It, it does. It does make it a lot of sense. And I remember that I surfaced this last year, and I did the old uh, "Who says no" trade proposal. Ninety fifth, by the way. There you go. Close enough. But I mentioned a guy, Chris Murphy, who's a really good prospect, right? Good pitching prospect. But that's the type of thing where he's in double A now. But that's the type of thing you have to get uncomfortable. I mean, you just have to get uncomfortable sometimes to get that type of guy. And, and you know, they they were able to get two guys last year for two players that didn't make them uncomfortable. Dombrowski did a good job of, of giving up guys that didn't make them uncomfortable. But to get the right guy, sometimes you're going to have to give up the minor league that you don't want to give up. All right, Ken, what do you got? So, uh, I mean, you pointed this out, Rob. They, they cannot – Franchi Cordero, nice story at times here, but th- that cannot be the plan, right? So they need the first baseman, maybe a first base outfielder, but what about Josh Bell? Washington Nationals, that's the guy. Um, fi- final year of his contract, Nationals are going to definitely sell him. I don't think it costs you much as a rental, and you pair him with Dahlbeck, and you go for it again like that. Same with Schwarber last year. I like that idea. I'm not even. I'm not. I'm not going to poo-poo it. Josh Bell against right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. He's hitting 305 with an 870 OPS when playing first base. So, uh, and, and there are there. I like, and I do agree with you when it comes to that. Where you, I, Franchi's a nice story, but I don't know if you can ride Franchi through a playoff run. I just don't. Like so, I don't, do. You guys disagree? No. Not that okay. Bell is proven in postseason. You know, he's not a postseason proven guy. But but I just think he's the upside there. I mean, you get some home run uh, from him. Yeah, and so uh, I would I would throw some other names out there because I think that's where you get to look. And you know, they're making this little bit of a run really without anything from Kike Hernandez. Let's not forget that. So yeah. Kike Hernandez comes back. Um, he's also another guy who's in the last year his contract. The, the interesting thing will be if does Bloom actually do something where he trades one of these guys for a guy that can help. In, in other words, you're, you're, you're getting rid of a guy that is part of this foundation, part of the, 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 the ecosystem right now for someone you think might be slightly better. Like, so, in other words, trade Kike Hernandez for X player. I don't know. I mean, that would seem to be something that Bloom would entertain a whole lot more than Dave Dombrowski. I'll, I'll go down the. I'm gonna like. I like the path that you were going down, Ken. All right. There's a couple other guys. C.J. Crone of Colorado. He has an 885 OPS against right righty pitching. Garrett Cooper, of Miami. He has an 865 OPS. I think that that's what you got to look at. The same thing is the Schorber deal, right? Same thing. And, and, and as we've seen, it really has helped Bobby Dahlbeck. Correct. Yeah, and it, it's, it's crazy. On? No, it's crazy how it happened two years in a row. Like, Bobby Dahlback last year, all of a sudden when Schwarber comes over, he was legitimately like one of the best hitters in the sport for more than a month, and it's happening again. Not that, not to the same extent, Rob. I'm not trying to over-exaggerate it this year as it 
pretend or to compare it to last year, but it is crazy how his production gets better when somebody else gets here. I wish that wasn't the case, but it's happened. I, I believe in Franchi more than you guys do, so I'm not as gung-ho about adding a first baseman. You do think, though, Rob, that they need to add another right-handed arm to the bullpen, or do you just believe, okay, Whitlock goes back in there and it takes care of that role, and then you got another high-leverage guy there on the back end from the right side? Because look at the Blue Jays and the Yankees. You need righties in that pen. Put it this way, what I would like to see happen, and I guess it's going to happen, and I think this has been a plan all along, is once Chris Sale comes back, you move Whitlock there, and you Mm -hmm. make sure, because this is another piece of the equation, you have to figure out when you get to that trade line, what you have you don't want to be guessing right you don't want to be guessing about Garrett Whitlock is he right can he get the job done can he be the closer I want to see a good three weeks of what that guy looks like in that role all right 617-779-7937 Justin the rest of you see you lined up we're going to get to you but first of course I'm at the U.S. Open the country club Brian's at Fenway Park getting ready for the big game the pregame show, Ken's in Parts Unknown, Coop's also at Fenway Park. I'm going to give you the best U.S. Open update in this trending now that's coming up right now. Merloni, Fourier, and Mago. Weekdays, 2 to 6. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The warm weather is here, and Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey is saying, screw it, let's shoot it, lick the salt, shoot the screwball. And the finish it with an orange slice. Lick it, shoot it, screw it. Screwball peanut butter whiskey. Please enjoy responsibly. You can tune in to WEI this Red Sox season as we broadcast live from our Ford Clubhouse Fenway studio before Red Sox weekend home games like we're doing right now. Brought to you by your New England Ford dealers and Ford trucks. Official truck of the Red Sox. Well, the Sox made a move today. They traded cash considerations to the Phillies for James Norwood. The number is not pretty, a 190 whip on the season, but he does have a fastball that sits at 96.6 miles an hour. By the way, if you look at Daniel Bard, he sits at 97.9. I'm, I'm very intrigued in this. He's the Sox good. beat the Cardinals. I mean, yeah, he, he's one of the hardest fastballs in the sport. The Sox beat the Cardinals 6-2. to two. Michael Walker, 6 and a third, gave up just one earn. Those two go back at it again tonight. Game two of the three games set. 7-15 for his pitch across the Shaws and Star Market. WEI Red Sox Network. You can tune in to the Visit Massachusetts pregame show at 6.10, or 6.15 rather. That's sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Cutter Crawford opposite Dakota Hudson in that one. Game 2, Stanley Cup Final. Avalanche and Lightning. Puck drops at 8. You can hear that on AM850. The Avs hold a 1-0 series lead. And the Athletic reporting the two favorites for the Bruins head coaching vacancy are ex-Rangers coach David Quinn and current Kraken assistant Jay Leach. Now... Let's send it back to Brad Foe for an update from the U.S. Open. Minus means under par, Brad Foe. Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) I got it all figured out. Let me tell you. U.S. Open championship at the country club. I'm here right now. I can tell you. Big doings. Scotty Scheffler is two up on Aaron Wise and John Rahm in the lead for the U.S. Open championship right now. He's at the ninth hole, Scotty Scheffler is. After that, it gets bunched up. Will Zelatoris, Will Fleming's guy, three under. Patrick Rogers, three under. The guy who started off in the lead, one of the two leaders, Joel Damon, dropping, dropping like a rock. They actually, both leaders are. So a lot going on here. As we said before, this is going to be shaping up to be an epic, epic run in terms of the U.S. Open, the final day. And I tell you what, we're very, very pleased to be sponsored by our great friends at Mayomi, the official wine of the PGA Tour, and also 
by Zingaroo. Zingaroo allows you to trade, chat, and compete with friends all in one app. Join now and get started with $25 on us. That is what's happening. Boots on the ground. U.S. Open Country Club. You're listening to The Bradfoe Show on Boston Sports Original. W.E.E.I. Next time, this is Brad Fo Show. I'm Rob Bradford, along with Brian Barry, Ken Laird, Coop. Ken, if you get a chance, I'm not going to spring it on you now. I should have asked this before. If you can find the Jared Saltonlaki talking ghost drop, because mm. everyone's talking about that. It's in the system. I know it is. Okay. But, yeah, because uh, Gresham Keefe talked about it ad nauseum. Um, and that was on the Jared Saltonlaki was on the Brad Fo Show podcast early in the week. Of course, Jared Saltonlaki. The former Red Sox catcher who is now coaching with the Bourne Braves in the great Cape Cod League. The great Brian, have you ever been on the Cape Cape Cod League? I haven't, Rob. Think about that. <laughs> Hold on. I, Hold on. Oh, you asked me if th- okay, now go ahead. I, I, I really want to go. I just I never had the opportunity to go. I've been to the Cape, obviously, but never for a game. I need to get out there this summer, man. Brian, well, it's not that far from me. I'll come down, swing swing by, pick nice. me up. We'll do a we'll do a nice little date. <laughs> go to the Gateman or something. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I really do want to go though. So yeah, Salty's coaching there. I like that. Yeah, it's coaching the Bourne Braves, and I, I, I hear, I feel you there, Brian. Because up until a few years ago, you know, we're both North Shore guys. We're, you know, the Cape wasn't on our radar other than Jessica Beal getting out of the pool in summer catch. So it's, uh, which by the way, I get a five dollars every time I mention that. Um, yeah, so the Cape League is by being down there. Doing the manager's brunch every year, such such great people, so so awesome. And once again, Jared Saltamakia, he's coaching down there. He's also went on the Bradford show to talk about ghosts, which I want to get to in a little bit because another person. Then Coop and I talked to John Schreiber, John Eight Miles Schreiber, and asked him about ghosts. And then Brian Brazier came over and he talked about ghosts. Everyone's talking about it, but I got to get Brian Barrett's take on it as well because when it comes to the paranormal. Everyone knows they go to Metric Man for the definitive answer. But first, we got to go to Justin in New Hampshire. Hey, Justin, how are you today? Hey, what's going on, Bravo? Not much. How's it going? Hey, just heading down to the Red Sox game. Going to uh, bring my son right now to his first Red Sox game. Ooh, nice. You know, uh, we're going to uh, outshine those Cardinals fans tonight. So, just <laughs> how, to how, old, sure how's, you how old's your son, Justin? Uh, he's ten years old. All right. I mean, nice. that's excellent because that means if you said like three years old, when you take a kid to the game for the first time as a three-year-old, all you're doing is seeing how much food you can shove down their gullet. I mean, at ten years uh, old. I bet your son likes baseball, right? Yes, he actually plays baseball, um, so he loves it. And this is actually our weekend. My mom's had weekend season tickets since the '80s, so it's almost like a family tradition at this point. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I need a prediction from you. Is your son there? Does he want to give a prediction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nolan, you want to give him a prediction? He says Red Sox by 12. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dakota Hudson does stink. So uh, maybe all right, Justin. Something. Thanks. And have a great time tonight or today, all right? Thanks. I appreciate Let's the call. Red Sox. <laughs> I, see, uh, is it him saying up by they're going to win by twelve was even better than what I was hoping he was going to say, which was the um, the uh, Mr. T pain. 
Prediction? Pain. Pain for the Cardinals. <laughs> you thought his son was going to say that? Yeah, why? He probably doesn't know who Mr. T yeah, is. I know. Club but that's life. awesome, going to this first baseball game, coming to Fenway I, Park. I, I do want to give a shout-out to everybody. Obviously, tomorrow's Father's Day, right? Correct? Am I right? Yes. Happy Father's was, Day to you, Rob. Ken, uh, Coop happy, as well. Ken, Thanks. Yep. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Yes. And, happy Father's Day to me, the 24-year-old. <laughs> I mean, what so? I mean, Tatum. I, yeah, that's I, right. Tatum's got a kid. Yeah, of course. Of course. But Ken Laird, what are you doing on Father's Day? I'll be at the U.S. Open. <laughs> <laughs> nice bringing, brunch. Nice brunch with the family or first I, and then out to, out to the Open. I, you know, 10 years ago, did you say think you would be saying to young Maya, your daughter, saying, listen, I would love to spend Father's Day with you, but i got to go cover the U.S. <laughs> Open. Well, yeah. Well, she understands. Uh, sure she does. Uh, Happy Father's Day to my father, too. He's had to deal with me my whole life. So, And, and me, Bill Bradford, yes, I know that Bill, uh, Bill is listening. Um, so Bill Bradford, my dad, of course. Happy Father's Day. So we get all the Happy Father's Day out of the way, and it's going to be a great weekend of baseball at Fenway Park. Uh, so did you find that clip? Yeah, it's about a minute long. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so we, we, we did. So what we did was um, we did we had a podcast with Jared Saltamacchia, and Coop, Coop asked a good question uh, about, you know, the, about the one knee thing. Brian, you big proponent of the one knee catching thing? Oh, Lou hates that. I didn't ask about Lou. I asked you. I, I feel like Vasquez has been better lately. I mean, I don't I don't hate it. It, it, it affected him early on in the season, for sure. I don't understand the whole well, idea of it, course, you tell, of the athleticism, you, but I don't you, know yeah, if I Yeah, you could it. tell, listening to this, and Coop, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Jared Sotomaki is not a big fan of, of the whole thing. And it's like the thing of, well, you know, you catch on one knee, the metrics will show that you, you make up for it in a pitch frame. No, nah, like I've seen too many balls get by guys anyway. But more importantly, we asked him about the Vinoy Hotel in St. Petersburg, which is a team hotel. Uh, this is what he said. No, I've seen ghosts. I've seen two ghosts there. Really? Yeah. Well, all right, Do all tell. Right. All right, hold on, hold on. Let's just pause a second. <laughs> all right, go. All right, so the one time was the woman in the white dress who walks down the hallways. You know, that was just like a quick little glimpse. We had gotten in late one night, um, like 2 in the morning from, you know, New York probably because we were out late. Anyways, and uh, so I saw that as I was going to the room. And then the other time was I was laying in bed. I locked the door, deadbolt, and sometime in the morning, 2, 3 in the morning, I wake up and the deadbolt was open. The door was open. What the hell? So I get up, close that, lay back down, and I just kind of look into the window, and I could see a shadow of two people, a little boy and a guy in a top hat, just standing in front of the window. It was just their shadow. It wasn't like a full-on picture of them. And I was just like, all right, turned back over and went to bed and just pretend that wasn't, that wasn't there. Man, that's a major league ball player right there. You just ice in your veins. You saw some ghosts, and you're like, all right, we'll call it a night. I was, I'm just going with their friendly ghosts. They didn't say anything. They didn't talk to me. So Some Casper action. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, there you go. That is your catcher from the 2013 World Champion Red Sox, along with David Ross, telling you that he saw ghosts. That's the type of news we break here in the Bradford Show. So I am going to ask you a very important question. Brian Barrett, metric man, a guy who deals in fact figures and science, do you believe in ghosts? No, but it does sort of sum up that 2013 team. We talk about the 0-4 team being the idiots. Those guys had a lot of crazy players in 13. The Gomeses of the world, now apparently Salty, Napoli, Pedroia's nuts. Like, yeah, okay. 
And weren't they drinking, Rob? Correct me if I'm wrong. That was part of the story they were drinking. It was not part of the ghost story. No, but were they drinking? <laughs> when, when were they consuming the alcoholic beverages? At some point, I'm sure they consumed yes. alcohol be- beverages. No, I don't. I don't believe in ghosts, Rob. Season. You know, I don't believe in ghosts because they're not real. I mean, My ghost ver- hunting friends. <laughs> Ken, do you believe in ghosts? I don't not believe in ghosts, but I've never seen evidence of it. I'm, I'm an evidence guy. I've never seen it. I don't, but I don't doubt. I don't. I don't like. Uh, I'm not an atheist toward it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that kind of different? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, I could. I, I don't think he's crazy for saying that. I'm sure it could have happened to him. But has that well, ever, the, ever happened to you? No, no, it has not happened to me. But, you know, I know that, that the Vinoy Hotel, and the reason we brought this up, what you're talking about, Brian, is the story we were talking about was in 2013. They had this off day in September, that crazy group that they had in 2013, and they were doing cannonballs into five feet deep water at the Vinoy mm-hmm. Hotel pool. So we were talking about that, and he's like, oh, the Vinoy is ghosts. He's like, you haven't seen ghosts? He's like, I absolutely have seen them. So to Ken's point, like, so, okay, you know, you believe – you actually can. You believe. What I guess he's I'm saying. a believer then, because I, I I buy people's stories of it. I'm waiting so you for bu- it to happen to me. It's not happened to me, but I do believe it's possible. When so when he says, "I saw the guy in the top hat. I saw the woman in the white dress." You believe that he uh, did yeah, see that? Yeah, that is crazy. Okay, so Coop, not crazy. You- I mean, that is amazing that he saw it, but yet not crazy that he said it. Yes, Coop, you believed him. I could tell in your voice when you were talking to him. I'm I'm not a believer myself. I believe people may perceive that they see something, and I'm not going to tell them that they didn't see anything. But like I, like Ken, I haven't seen anything, so I'm not going to put any weight on it. Shrooms well, are a crazy drug, man. Are they? You are know they, from experience? No. Yeah, that's the only solid food that Brian eats. Um, <laughs> you can't have sex with ghosts. <laughs> so, so the next podcast we did, we did with John Eight Mile Shriver. We call him Eight Mile because he's from Detroit. Obviously, and uh, and he he we asked him, Coop, right? He we, he believes in ghosts, and then Brazier comes over, and he was more, even more definitive. He believes in ghosts and aliens. So I think that this is this is a great conversation. Maybe not for now, but what I want to do is I want to talk about believing people. We talked about this earlier in the day with Ken and Curtis. We have not had a show since I did my Mookie Betts interview. And Mookie Betts obviously came on, and we did not talk about ghosts. We did not talk about aliens, but we did talk about whether or not he wanted to come back to Boston. So when Mookie Betts said on the podcast that he wants to, he he absolutely would have come back to Boston, this narrative that he didn't want to come back is completely false. You know, when he said, I'm like, okay, you know, I believe you. That's fine. I, I thought everybody loved him in Boston. But after that was posted, I was taken aback by how many people were like, he's lying, he's lying, he's lying. Can you believe it? Do you guys believe him? Are you serious? No, I don't believe him for a second, Rob. I don't believe him for one second. Are you kidding me? What's he making out there? Oh, $30.4 million per season. What was the last documented offer that the Red Sox made? What was the last report? Wasn't it for $30 million a season? No, he didn't want to be here anymore. Yeah, okay. So he didn't want to be here anymore. Well, no, no, okay, and there's okay. nothing wrong with that, but I, he so, is but, lying but about diff- this, that's Rob. A, that's, a different, that's a different conversation. You're, you're just changing the conversation, which is, okay, yes, the Red Sox didn't offer as much as the Dodgers, but if the Red Sox offered $365 million at the time that he offered them, do you think that Mookie Betts would have taken it? No. Because he doesn't want to come back to Boston? Yes, I don't think he wanted to play here. I think we have evidence of that. So, okay, Ken? 
I, I, God, I've said forever I don't believe him, that he didn't want to play here. But I, that actually convinced me somewhat. I don't know if I'm duped. I don't know if the Bradfoe aura and Mystique has pulled me in. But you seem very convinced. that, And, and so does Lou, by the way. Uh, Merloni believes, just as a fact, they didn't offer him anywhere close to what, he right. was, what he's going to get. Or yeah. was going to get at the time. But it's two different things, right? Yeah. I mean, it's two, it's two different things. And, and we, when we talked about this earlier, it was, you know, I said, well, I think people have this narrative or ha- who don't have any information. They have this narrative because he kept saying it's a business, it's a business, it's a business. I want $400 million. And then, and then he just goes and, pay, and signs for $365 million. Well, we know that that was because of the pandemic, that, that everyone was freaking about the business of baseball. But people were saying, oh, well, you know, he didn't want to come here. He didn't want to come back, and he was asking for an outrageous amount of money. Well, you know, I, I think he was asking for an outrageous amount of money, not because he didn't want to come back, but because that's what he valued himself at. And, and, and I can tell you, sitting there with him, him bringing it up multiple times, talking even after the tape recorder was, was off, like, to me, I don't know. I, I, I believe him. I believe that he would have come back if the offer was similar. And the Red Sox haven't protested that at all, have they, since he said that? What do you mean protested? Have you know. heard anything, Rob, from the Red Sox? Like, have they said that's not true? Like, anything about Mookie in even, that Even a report, even, like, putting yeah. it out there through a reporter that it was not true. That he never wanted to. Play no, here. no, just the opposite. I mean, talking to Hein Bloom, I think he he's in line with that. That like I, he, I don't think he thought that Mookie was absolutely not going to come back because if he if he did, he probably wouldn't even made the, the offer to begin with. But it was. But let me ask you it this way, yeah. then, Rob: Would he have signed the contract he signed with the Dodgers prior to free agency with the Red Sox? No. Okay, so that's where the risk. That's where they're. Right, but, here, but, right, but again, there's a reason for that. There's, there's an obvious reason for that, which is when you got into the pandemic, you know, he was asking for or whatever, $400 million around what Trout was making. And when he was asking for it, by the way, people didn't think that was crazy. He was that good a player. He was that level right, player. MVP. Right, and so so when you're saying, well, if the, if the Red Sox were at $365 million, would the Red Sox have offered? Would he have taken that at that time? Maybe, but it was a different time. Another Mookie moment. Ooh, man. Who, who made that call? Was that, ooh, Tim Neverett. Ooh, Tim Neverett. Oh, man. Blast from the past. There you go. He's still making Kenny Josh calls. Lewin. That was my favorite. Uh, oh, did, <laughs> no, easy, easy. Good guy, Josh Lewin. Had UCLA shirts for everybody. Oh, my. Oh, those are the best shirts. Dude. And a good podcast. The second best shirt. Very good post-show podcast that he did diligently every day. I got to give him credit for that. Nothing, nothing. I like get- the fake tournament that he had. Remember that? It was like the best teams of all time versus each other. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> fake wow. I, I didn't know Barrett hated Lewin. Wow. No, I don't hate him. I Barrett was just sneakily, asking. sneakily hates <laughs> about three people. Yes, that's true. I've noticed that. <laughs> He's got vendettas. I don't hate him. He definitely has vendettas. Yeah. He definitely. It, it was, there's, there's much more to Barrett than meets the eye on him. I can tell you uh, there's, there's, there's the aforementioned announcer, which he just uh, revealed. There's another person at the station he hates, and there's also Chris Owings, who he bizarrely hates as well, because he had the gall to lead off for the Red Sox in one day. <laughs> well, no, that was I still, Rob. That is one of the great all-time stories. Like, Core is usually on top of things, but remember he referenced after the game that he hits righties well or something. Uh, it's like still, it, it's so bizarre that you you still haven't got over that. But listen, before we go to a break, I want to get to John and Longmeadow because he's got some important information. What's going on, John? 
right, thanks for taking my call. So, just as a quick backstory, I'm 56, um, about 15 years old, on Nantucket, my uncle's house. We were upstairs, and I was sleeping in between my two girl cousins, nothing weird, and um, there's a uh, there's a, a closet, which, of course, I'm not really that at the time, but I hear this rocking chair creaking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That's what woke me up. And then I see this gal sitting at a table with her head on her hand, and it appeared that she was, you know, thinking. And now one of my cousins, Priscilla Coote, is an artist, and I said, I thought, okay, she had an idea, and she wants to put it on paper, which I was not that brilliant at 15, but I said, hey, what's PC doing? So I waited. I literally shook my cousin Ellen to wake her up, to tell her, ask why is she sitting, because it was just a silhouette. And then um, by the time she woke up, image was gone. And then the next day, sure enough, in a closet is a rocking chair with stuff on it, whether or not that was creaking or not, but... I don't know. I so you so really you believe, believe you, so you believe you believe Jared Sothelmachia. But I can tell you this: I'm 56, and it's still not as evident as it was maybe 10 years ago. But this 40 years ago, and I can 41 years ago, it's still pretty clear in my mind what this gal looked like. So, right. well, it, John, it was a dreamer. John, and John, do you believe that Mookie Best was telling the truth? Uh. I don't know. It would be a See, fun it's, story it's, you, know what, up, you know what's disturbing is that you're much more definitive <laughs> believing in the ghost than you are in Mookie Betts. All right, John, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, well, we get to the bottom of a lot. Calling the, by the way, calling the ghost a gal. That's, 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 that's something. Uh, 617-779-7937. We appreciate it. We're getting to the bottom of a lot of stuff. That's what we do here at the Bradford Show. We have solved a lot of problems, including Brian Barrett, um, how many people he hates. Uh, I don't. I just thought that was a funny podcast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and he was obsessed with the fact that the Blue Jays were playing the Red Sox at the same time that the Maple Leafs were playing the Bruins. He thought that was like the craziest After thing the ever. Break, it happens. I know, I know Ken loves power rankings. I want uh, Brian Metric Man's Barrett's power rankings for the people he hates. No, no, we no, don't. I'm we not do doing not. that. No, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. All right, uh, but if you want to weigh in on the Mookie situation and how it relates, also, I do want to get into the Devers thing and how it does relate into Devers because there's a very real parallel to be drawn, and and we can talk about Devers because Ian Brown tweeted this out earlier in the week, and and I I was like, that's it, that's it right there, which is. It feels like David Ortiz. It feels for the it, the first player when the guy gets up. It feels like David Ortiz. Like something is going to happen that you have to stop in your tracks. We can talk about that, but first we're going to take a break. No, but first we need a U.S. Open update. Oh, we do. Okay. Oh man. Because there is a major Will Fleming related development. Ooh, Zal- Ooh. Let me guess. Let me guess. All right, Zalatoris. Zalatoris share the lead right now. Share. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Will Zalatoris shares the lead with Scotty Scheffler, both at four under. Aaron Wise, John Rahm in number two spot, three under. Then you have two guys in the third spot: Matt Fitzpatrick, Colin Morikawa, both two under. So. It's as we said before. It's shaping up to be a great, great final day here at the U.S. Open Championship at the Country Club, which is I'm here, boots on the ground. 
Thank you for reminding me, Ken. A lot of good stuff happening in the great world of Boston sports. We'll be back after this. All right, it is the Bradford Show. I'm Rob Bradford, along with Brian Barrett, Ken Laird, Coop, the whole gang. The whole gang. I'm here at the U.S. Open Championship. Country Club, Brian Barrett, Brian Metric Man. Barrett is at Fenway Park getting ready for the pregame show as well, which is going to be awesome along with the broadcast. Go Sox! Let's go! uh, There you go. A lot of St. Louis fans out there still on uh, Lansdowne Street. Starting to trickle in, Rob. So less on the streets as there were earlier. But you know what I don't understand is the random, like, uh, I just saw a Mets shirt. What's up with that? Like, why do people, in an Astro shirt earlier, why do people wear random teams when their team is... That's all they they don't have the money that you have. That's all they can get. Okay. That's all right, Brian. All right. Okay. okay. Thank you for setting the scene. I'll set the scene here at the uh, media tent. Uh, There's a lot of people eating snacks and telling me to shut up. So there you go. I'm I'm, you happy. Everyone happy. And I can also tell you that Will Fleming's guy, Zalatoris is running. He's going to run away with this thing. Ken, he's going to run away with it. He's in first place. Well, Will knows his golf. He and his brother, obviously big golfers. So yeah. I and he is made for this course according to Will. So I agree. He knows what he's talking. And, and the guys who were leading to begin the day, I mean, they're dropping like flies. My guy Morikawa, I mean, he's there, and then uh, Damon, Damon, way back. So you know, listen, Will, right again, Will Fleming, excellent job, excellent job. Bradford Domus and the Red Sox lead in extra innings. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a predicted home run, Rob? Uh, that, that would have been one of my uh, 50 million Bobby Dahlback prediction, predicted home runs that actually came to fruition. Um, all right, let's Senor to- Octubre, or whatever they're calling him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his brand has never been hotter. Oh, my goodness. Can we just root that Rafi Devers goes on every postgame show? It was like this is like a sitcom to those two, Will Fleming and Rafi Devers. It's such so awesome. I love listening because Rafi. Here's a, here's a little trade secret. There's a reason why Rafi speaks English in the post game show with Will Fleming. He feels comfortable because Will obviously very very good at Spanish, as is Brian Barrett, obviously. Um, My or dad's is it, fluent. Is it, He's a Spanish is it, teacher. Is it Latin or is it Spanish? Which which are you fluent in? No, I'm not fluent in Spanish. I minored in it, but I'm not fluent in it. You, wait, wait a second. You you can speak it though. No, I only minored in it for like my first year. Then I dropped it. I minored in political science. Oh, you and Coop. All right, let's go. Um, but Will Fleming is excellent talking to Rafi Devers. Rafi Devers feels comfortable talking to English. So mm-hmm. let's all let's all hope and pray that what Rafi Devers once again does something good, good enough to be on the post game show, uh, the walk off interview with Will and Joe. All right, let's go to Brett on the phones. Brett, what's going on? How you doing today? I'm doing well. Good evening, gentlemen. And first, I'd like to start off and thank both you and Brian for your intrepid baseball analysis and reporting. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank you, thank you for listening. And thank you, obviously, for to subscribing to the podcast along with me and Coop and the rest of the gang. So thank you so much. Which I haven't done, but I will do. <laughs> Anywho, I, I usually only call you guys about weird stuff, so ghost stories. Uh, I'm 48 in 1992, so 30 years ago, I uh, moved to Colorado when I was 18, and I went to Winter Park, and I was trying to find an apartment. I got an apartment, but I had to stay in multiple locations waiting for the apartment to open. And one evening, I found this place that was renting rooms, and they had three rooms available. Both were not haunted, and then one was haunted. 
They charge less for the haunted rooms, supposedly. I was like, you just told me the room's haunted? It costs less. They're like, don't worry about it. She just comes out and sweeps the floors. Okay. I got woke up about 3 in the morning by a presence. This is the thing with stories like this. I felt it. I felt it. And then I literally saw things on the floor move and nothing else. Like dust and dirt. Woke up, checked out, paid the bill, and never went back. Like, I got my money's worth. So, so you, so, so you do believe that when Jared Saltalamaki talks about seeing the ghost of the team hotel? Okay, so I, I, I have a poster. You know, you have the Xbox Fox Mulder. I, I want to believe. I don't really want to believe. It scares me to actually see it happen. Mm-hmm. I want to believe, but when you see the evidence, I don't like the evidence. Quick question, Rob. Um, I live on the Cape, so I'm curious to check check out a Commodores game when Salty's team is in town. What team is he coaching for? Born, born Braves. The Born awesome, Braves. Awesome. So I'm going to try to. I will put that day off so I can go down there and check out uh, the Born Braves. And here's Braves the, th- and here's the thing, Brett, is that what's baffling yep. to me is that so we've had a couple of calls talking about their their firm belief in ghosts. Yet when we bring up, do you believe in Mookie Betts? We don't have a firm belief. Like what? So um, which, which is baffling, right? I mean, it's like can we just can we just. What? Bro- Brian Barrett's the firmest belief think, we have of anybody. Like even Ken Laird is back and forth on Mookie. To be honest, like to be honest, like remember when Mookie went out and just like served meals after the game and like everything. Like Mookie's going to do that anywhere, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not that Mookie would like, love to say Mookie's going to do that anywhere. But whether the negotiations with the Sox with him were legit or legit to the point where his his agent pushed him further is different. I think if this was a, a little less Asian did, Mookie would have been here. Now, the question I'm looking at that right now, like, because at that point, they're looking at Xander and Mookie at the same time, just like you're looking at Rafi and Xander or Rafi and whatever. My question is, I feel like it's the same thing with Jason and Jalen. This is always that you've got two guys, and we can't pay both. You know, you get to them early as you can. Yeah. And Brad, yeah. No, thanks so much for calling, Brad. I appreciate it. Um, you know, but this is the thing. I, I and Brian made a quick quick reference to this as as long, the the trade that they made for our good friend uh, John Norwood, the pitcher. Where who cares if as long as it doesn't affect anything else, that's fine. So when you sign somebody, like you have to see how it affects something else. And did you sign this guy? Because you and then that made you you couldn't sign these other guys. One of the quick things Mookie said when I sat down with him was something along the lines of, "Well, the Red Sox had had different priorities or had different, you know." I'm paraphrasing, but they want to spend their money in different ways. And obviously, they signed Chris Sale, they signed Evaldi. Um, so maybe and there was a luxury tax issue then. But now, when you're sitting here, like I don't think there's an issue in terms of paying these guys. You can pay all of them. You can. Right. And I mean, you know the, what? One the, of my- the Dodgers. The Dodgers had like what forty million dollars in luxury tax. Like who yeah. cares? Well, and that's one of the lessons I took, Rob, from the NBA Finals. Look at all the money the Warriors spent. They're going to be like the richest team or the highest priced team in the history of the NBA. Steve Ballmer is doing the same thing out there with the Clippers. He made a move at the deadline that increased their luxury tax bill, knowing that Kawhi Leonard wasn't going to return. Ownership is a massive advantage in sports. And when you have guys like Devers and Bogarts, it behooves you as an organization to sign good players. This isn't overcomplicated. 
I don't have any sympathy for the price that you're going to have to pay. I get all this stuff with the CBT, but I'm fine with the CBT if I have Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Trevor Story, and all these guys sign long-term. I'm good with that. And when Marcelo Mayer comes up, then you figure out that issue when it comes about. You don't have to worry about that right now. You need to worry about winning in 2022, winning in 2023, because if you're not, what the hell else are you doing? I don't care about 2026. Win now. You have an opportunity. This team is absolutely stacked. You have an opportunity to win a World Series this year, next year. Pay the team. Who is that kid? What are you doing? That's John Henry. I love his laugh. He's <laughs> a money laugh. Uh, flex your financial muscles. You have them. Flex them. The Warriors are flexing them. The Dodgers are flexing them. Flex them. There you go. And well, they do spend. I'm, this isn't me saying they don't spend, but I have been in the camp like this whole time. Like, well, can you afford both the, both these guys? Can you pay? Yes, you can. Get it done. Yeah. Well, I don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying, but it, so I think we're on the same train, which is. You know, sign Devers, sign Bogarts. You have those three guys. Now, can you? would you sign J.D. Martinez? The reality is that J.D. Martinez is probably going to get something somewhere else because all the National League teams need DHs. He's the best DH out there. He's going to make his money, and, and I can't see that the Red Sox value him like really like they should. I mean, this is – to me, I understand why they don't. But it's such a dangerous thing to move on from J.D. Martinez. I don't know if you yeah. guys feel the same way. It's such a dangerous thing. And we've seen this example. I've said this a million times. But when you moved on from David Ortiz, you made that mistake. You thought everyone was going to get a little bit better. And you thought you are going to be able to fill in with Hanley Ramirez, who didn't know how to DH and wasn't a good DH anyway. And so, like, and then so then you figure out that you you need that guy. So you go out and you pay the money for JD Martinez, and it changes everything. You do need that guy. I mean, look at Tampa Bay, right, Brian? Look at Tampa Bay Rays last mm-hmm. year. Tampa. Everyone talks about Heim Bloom and the Tampa Bay Rays model. Oh, they're not. They're just going to rotate DH. They don't want to pay DH. What did they do last year? They halfway through the year they went out and got the preeminent DH. Nelson Cruz. Yeah, and the thing, too, that I think maybe goes underrated is the fact that you have to have a certain mentality to be able to do that job. You can't just sign a random player and say, hey, he's going to be our D8. Like, it takes a lot to go through that during the game. That was part of the thing at the beginning of this whole thing when J.D.'s like, I like it more when I play in the field, et cetera, because it keeps him active. But you have got to have, like, David Ortiz had, and, of course, J.D. has these routines. And just think about it from this context, Rob. Remember when J.D. didn't have his video in 2020? And it, like, completely threw him off. Now, I know he's very calculated in his approach and he wants to watch all the video, but I would also contend part of that is he needs to burn time in between innings, right? As a DH, he doesn't go out there in the field. So it's a totally different thing going from an everyday player to a DH. Well, he said that that in an interview that I did with him um, a couple weeks ago, which was... You think that, in his words, you think that Devers wants to DH? You think that Bogarts wants to DH? They don't want to DH, and not only because they like the juice of playing in the field, but because they don't have the, the all the things that you said. They don't have never this, done it. No, they don't. They don't know how to do it. Yeah, it, it no, it's it's it goes underrated. And the other thing I just say about JD Rob is. I could understand this conversation a couple of years ago, but if you look at him right now, he's in his 34 year old.